0: You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. This episode is the second in a series NISAC is producing that chronicles the county response to COVID-19. Mark Molinaro, Dutchess County Executive and President of the New York State County Executives Association, provides the following introduction for this episode.
1: New York recently reached a major milestone in the ongoing battle against COVID-19 when Governor Cuomo announced that any New Yorker aged 16 and over could now walk into a state vaccination site without an appointment and receive their first dose. This marked the beginning of a new phase of the pandemic response, one which trades the warp speed rush to develop and distribute a vaccine for the slow, steady trudge toward herd immunity. Through it all, counties have been and will continue to be on the front lines last october new york's county executives commissioned a book to detail and document the county response during this pandemic so that future generations of leaders could study and learn from our local responses to the pandemic each county executive submitted a written or oral history of what happened in their county and it is their voices that you will hear in today's podcast In our last episode, we heard county leaders recall the earliest days of the pandemic, the first cases, the first deaths, and the moment they realized that nothing would ever be the same again. In this episode, we'll hear stories of innovation and adaptation as county leaders stepped up to provide residents, businesses, and first responders with the equipment and information they needed to stay safe and do their jobs. And we'll also hear how ordinary citizens from across New York and around the nation came together to offer whatever help and support they could. With that, I introduce episode two of our county leadership during the COVID pandemic series.
0: Chautauqua County Executive, PJ Wendell, recalls how after the arrival of COVID-19 in his Western New York County, he began working with local entrepreneurs to meet the urgent need for personal protective equipment.
2: One
3: of the first Sundays, uh, I reached out to the IDA and they said, hey, we have a guy from Jamestown Plastics, Jay Baker, was creating a face shield. So I reached out to Jay and said, hey, I want to get out here now. I'm, I'm, You know, as kind of the, the general, I wanted to be the guy in the field. I wanted to see what our troops were doing. And, you know, I met with Jay and Jay had a concept that was going to be adapted either to a visor or, a, you know, a hat that people already had. So that was on Sunday. Uh, his son and his good friend of theirs was also working on it. Well, then within... That was Sunday and by Tuesday, you know, we had the True Hero face shield. Uh, this is a prototype which is just very simple. In fact, I was told that if you look at the the, the mold, you can see waves on here that, that the new mold is actually polished so well that there aren't any creases in the plastic. You know, they do have some ventilation ridges on top and the True Hero logo at the bottom. So. You know what we did was reach out to Jay Baker and you know got him in touch with the city of New York, and they were actually working with Mayor De Blasio's office, and getting these uh, into the hands of healthcare workers in New York City. But what we were doing was helping him shift his business to, uh, you know, production of other materials that he does uh, a lot of plastic supply chain and logistics equipment to then now actually life saving shields and and everybody I've talked to can't stop raving about this shield and and what it is and what it means to them. Uh, I've talked to people that have doctors, they know doctors all over the country, and they can't just stop saying enough about the true hero shield. But the unique piece is a local manufacturer, another local business makes the boxes, and another local business is shipped. So it's really using all of our county assets and businesses here to provide protection for people across the country.
0: For Rensselaer County Executive Steve McLaughlin, the logistical challenges posed by securing personal protective equipment and setting up testing facilities were a stress-filled crash course in emergency response.
4: You know, we had um, we had some issues with PPE, or PPE early on. We had some issues with testing. Getting a testing site from the state was like pulling teeth. We finally did that ourselves. Um, so... But I think that's probably the experience of everybody, that nobody was fully prepared and that everybody was flying blind to some extent and also learning every single day about how to how to uh, make things happen. So it, it was a definite learning curve, I think, for all of us. There was huge concern about PPE. So those were manageable and we got through all those. I think the fact that the elective surgeries and things like that were were stopped or or delayed as much as as they could at the beginning. That did help alleviate the stress that was on our on our hospitals, but then the hospital sat empty for a really long time. So um, those were some of our big concerns about healthcare. As far as the workers go, heck, we were just concerned for their safety uh, and the fact that they're in the middle of this thing every day. And they really did great job, you know, nurses, doctors, our paramedics, our police, our fire, all of them in some way were healthcare workers at that point because they were dealing with this stuff every single day. we were concerned about them and the fact that um, early on, you know, did they have enough PPE? We you kept hearing the stories, about I'm reusing a gown for this and that. We addressed that as quickly and as rapidly as we could. And I think that um, we got through it okay. Uh, and that's still, every day I'm checking, you know, what's our PPE stock going forward? You know, as we start to see now, getting into the colder months, it's natural you're going to have an uptick. Do we have enough PPE? Is our supply chain okay? Um, you know, are we stockpiling enough? And so far, the answer is yes, we're doing fine on that. But those were some of the big concerns about just making sure they were safe because, you know, they started to, you get spread in a hospital or a nursing home, an assisted living facility, police department, a fire department. Uh, that is really um, stressful for the public health system.
0: Onondaga County Executive Ryan McMahon recalls how after the arrival of COVID-19 in his community, his office began daily briefings to communicate with a public that was hungry for information.
5: In the beginning, we learned very quickly how important it was to have the communication channels and the briefings uh, with the community. Uh, The federal government was uh, speaking a certain language related to uh, the global pandemic and and nationally. Uh, Certainly the governor started speaking uh, really about uh, the state, but really what was going on in New York City and the Hudson Valley and Long Island where uh, they were deeply engaged. Uh, But in central and northern New York, again we're in this spot where we're, we're seeing this happen around us but we we didn't know what was next so we started communicating uh daily twice once through facebook live at noon and then we would have a briefing at three o'clock because things were changing so much and uh we we learned quickly that as people were shutting down, people were staying home, uh, we were asking people to change and modify their, uh, their behavior and their social behavior that they were really tuning in and they were listening and they were learning from what we said. So after talking to many media outlets, these, these we went to a three o'clock briefing every day. Uh, the briefings were covered live on, on television throughout Northern and Central New York. And we gave out information every day. We gave out where we were uh, related to the pandemic, re, uh, related to testing, relating to cases, relating to quarantines. Uh, important messages from Dr. Gupta and her team. Uh, We gave out information related to people that needed help. Uh, Our seniors who now were no longer going into the community that needed food. We built up food programs around that. Certainly our daycare uh, programming for essential employees. Uh, The mental health Aspect of this, making sure that people who needed to talk to somebody had someone to talk to. And we also got to highlight really uh, the way our community was responding uh, with our nonprofits and some of the great work they were doing. Uh, so that three o'clock briefing uh, became uh, kind of a, an information uh, necessity for the public at large, uh, and, and that was really critical. And we knew our job was to uh, just. Uh, tell the truth and to and uh, call balls and strikes throughout this process never to have a slant of politics from the right or the left but just to talk about the pandemic how it was impacting us and to explain the decisions that we were making uh, in a way that people understood so if we were asking them to sacrifice they knew why even if they didn't dis- agree with our decisions we were making. I never Monday morning quarterbacked the decisions uh, at the federal level or state level. I just talked about how they were impacting our planning and preparation uh, at the local level. Uh, And I think people uh, appreciated that. Uh, And as we felt the anxiety at every step of this process in the pandemic, uh, that transparency helped us certainly get people to react and respond as we uh, met the next challenge that the virus had.
0: We'll be right back to the episode after this brief message from our sponsor. Let's Get Checked was founded to help people get better access to testing. They are a leading provider of diagnostics combined with telemedicine and e-prescribing. The company integrated these solutions in 2015 to help people get better access to life-altering diagnostic information with ease. Let's Get Checked is uniquely qualified to help organizations meet the demand for high-volume, high-throughput testing of symptomatic and asymptomatic individuals. Among many challenges brought on by the pandemic was the implementation of shutdown orders. Monroe County Executive Adam Bellow discusses measures the county took to step in to help with both shutdowns and reopening.
6: That was always very important to us this whole time. Is as you were shutting something down or making a restriction, that you had next to it a pathway uh, towards success or help. Um, some of the shutdown orders that came from the state relating to uh, crowd sizes, restaurants, uh, things like that. The way we tried to help with those was the implementation of them. Um, you know, I'll give you a good example. So when um, Uh, when the shutdown came, but grocery stores remained open, you know, the, the advice was wear a mask, have hand sanitizer, do these things. So we reached out to their local grocery stores. We reached out to those essential businesses and what kind of help do you need in order to stay open and stay safe. And, you know, we helped, uh, with the supply of PPE as businesses started to open, another good example is when, uh, barbershops and, uh, and hair salons open, everyone was waiting. I had the longest hair I've ever had in my life everybody wanted to get back to a barbershop. The initial guidance was that the barber uh, or a stylist had to wear a a shield. And the guidance was given in the morning and they could open them up that afternoon. So I saw that and said, well, where in the world is a barber going to get a shield in the next four or five hours? I wouldn't even know where to get one. But we had them, the county did. So we offered to provide face shields to every barber shop and salon owner in Monroe County so that they can get their business up and running. And we we distributed thousands of them. Uh, We did the same thing when restaurants opened. We'd offered masks and sanitizers to restaurants so that when they opened back up, they had the PPE in place uh, so that their staff could be safe. Um, And the same thing with schools we did. We did uh, millions of masks across schools, and we even got to the point where we're handing out masks uh, uh, distributing them throughout the county. Uh, in the City of Rochester, we mailed masks. Uh, uh, the City of Rochester mailed masks that, that we had uh, uh, provided in partnership to all residents uh, across the city. Uh, in the suburbs, they did drive-through distributions uh, in places, and we just did mass distribution of them uh, throughout the county.
0: The disruptions caused by the pandemic hit home for NYSAC President and Ontario County Board Chair Jack Marin when he was confronted with a situation where he needed medical care unrelated to COVID and saw firsthand what hospitals were going through as they responded to the novel coronavirus.
2: When this uh, pandemic hit, I was actually going to uh, uh, cardiac rehab three days a week. And and then that portion of the hospital, uh, they shut that uh, service off. We were no longer able to go that. and I know uh, that was an adjustment myself because I was really used to that three days a week working out, doing the right things for my health. But that, uh, clearly, um, that was another sign how, you know, uh, the impact on this, shutting down a, a portion of the hospital. Um, again, trying to keep myself, I'm scared. My staff's scared here at the town, at the County family members concerned. And then, uh, on Easter Sunday, I, uh, lo and behold, uh, I get a nosebleed and I'm on um, I'm on two blood thinners uh, to just to keep me going and um, we couldn't get the uh, the nosebleed under control and uh, we called the nurse next door by now I'm bleeding for almost uh, 30 minutes and she says Jackie got to go to the emergency well who in their right mind this is the last place anyone wants to go is to go to the emergency I go to the emergency and um, of course uh, I got a towel over my face and they he said, uh, sir, you, you need to have a mask on. Well, I, I love that. I pulled the towel away. And they said, okay, put the towel back. <laughs> we know you can't wear a mask. But long story short, um, I'm at the hospital for emergency. Um, and uh, they took some uh, safety measures to stop the bleeding. Then I had to go back three days later and um, have it uh, the, the nose cauterized. And at that time, I saw the... Re- the additional cost that the hospitals were going or undertaking to keep me safe and to keep themselves safe. And then the uh, firsthand, I saw this doctor who was going to cauterize me, but he was dressed like an astronaut because of the amount of additional protection. And I felt so bad for him. I mean, he's sweating profusely and just realizing that here I am, you know involved with government and here's these first responders day in and day out and for me it uh, I, I thought I was giving them the praise that they deserve but certainly not this was a first-hand experience that really uh, showed uh, what this doctor was going through and then certainly I saw it firsthand with the nurses as well uh, making sure we were safe.
0: County Executive Mark Polincars looks back on measures taken in Erie County to balance responsibility while preventing burnout among staff and several departments on the front lines of response.
7: The first months were basically a blur. Uh, My team and I were working uh, 12 to 14 hours a day. While most of western New York and Erie County was shut down and people were in their houses, we were coming to work every day. And it got to a point where I had to send people home because they were burning out from the Department of Health, from the Department of Homeland Security and Emergency Services, from the Department of Public Works, and for that matter, from the County Executive's Office. Uh, I knew the worst thing that we could have uh, was a staff that was the primary party responsible to responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. Going down would be terrible. So we started sending people home, making certainly took a day off because we could not have them working 14 hour days and burning out after a month to two months of responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. But by working together, we were able to address this in a manner where I think as a result, most of us uh, got through this as best as possible. Even at times in which we were questioning whether it was safe for ourselves to go into the office, we still came into the office because we knew we had to. That was our job, that was our responsibility. That's what you sign up for when you run for public office, or for that matter, you enter the civil service. You know you're representing the public in its time of need. And uh, while we've done a lot of great work, there's always more work that could be done. I look back on what we did in the past and realize uh, where we made a mistake or two and where going forward, we know we have to be better. Uh, I've been very proud of my team. We have a great team here. I say it all along when people say great job and I say I have a great team. And you only succeed because of the people you surround yourself with. If you have a bad team, you're going to fail. If you got a good team of professionals who know what they're doing uh, and and can understand just like you, even if you are not totally certain what the future brings ahead, you still need to be able to do this in a professional manner, in a calm manner. Uh, You will get by and the public will notice it. And, And that's one of the things that we've been able to bring to table with a great team that I have, is the public understands that we have professionals working day in and day out to protect the general public, to find ways to create a better community for all. And and the thing that I think that all counties can learn is that if you do the proper training beforehand, uh, you won't feel like uh, we're all learning this and seeing this for the first time. None of us have gone through a global pandemic, pandemic, pandemic before, but it's not as if we hadn't dealt with emergencies. And it's not as if we hadn't trained for a major catastrophe such as this. And if you train properly when the actual situation arises, even if you don't have all the answers, you will know some of them. And that's one of the things that I think is most important as a result of this is to find good people to have in the right positions and to ensure that you've done adequate training. So when you do have a major disaster on your hand, whether it's an environmental disaster, a, a weather disaster, or this, a global pandemic, Uh, you're not you're not learning from scratch
0: for Montgomery County Executive Matt Austin the human toll of COVID-19 hit home when his community lost a beloved member and retired firefighter Dave Swart following Dave's death County Executive Austin recalls how the community came together to support the public health heroes who are fighting on the front lines and how a resident of Montgomery Alabama reached out to donate PPE to help New York's first responders
8: one of the the beautiful things about being a small county executive is is how how very much in the trenches you are day to day with the work. I am not detached from the issues with a very large staff. Um, I am talking to to people. I am in on the meetings. I am making decisions, and um, you know we we experience this in a very close way. And actually, um, uh, after Dave's passing his wife um, uh, on social media began referring to Sarah uh, and her nurses as uh, Sarah's angels. And actually we had uh, uh, shirts made for the staff down in public health that said Sarah's angels uh, because they were so traumatically impacted by the phone calls, the contact tracing, the discussions with the family that we wanted to remind them of the good work and the meaningful work that they're doing and how important it is and, and that their strength has given strength to so many. Our uh, uh, emergency manager, uh, emergency management director, Rick Sager, um, you know, was was busy, uh, you know, taking calls, uh, trying to, uh, you know, acquire supplies um, and ended up um, getting a call from a woman named Retha Rochelle a Montgomery, Alabama resident looking to donate her last box of examination gloves to comp- to a complete stranger. Um and uh Sager said that he was listening to a voicemail with his wife in the room and she started crying and uh, it was very touching. And Rochelle and her sixteen year old son William um were following what was going on in New York State in the news um and we did, wanted to do something to help. She says her, her son has a heart of gold. Um, he, uh, he said, and I quote, um, I wish I had more gloves to send to New York, but this one box is all my mama and I could find. She had originally purchased the gloves for us, but when I saw a nurse on TV begging for help and I heard the governor say, help us today and we will help you when it's your turn. Um, I wanted to do something to help. I wasn't sure you would want the one box, but my mom called the number we found online. Uh, we selected your county because of the sim- similarities with Montgomery. I just wish I could do more. So then they googled um, you know how to help," and because you know we we had a county with the same name, um, they ended up sending up uh, sending us up a um, uh, a little supply box. Um, they're They're a family of faith that um, you know really is committed to their community and 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 just really are the type that just want to help um and uh the mother said uh, uh in the voicemail i know you guys really need to help really really bad more so than we do here in alabama we we're just so proud of how you're handling things there we watch you on the news often uh Steger then uh reached out to me um and uh now you know and i i was quoted as saying now this family who lives a thousand miles away is also contacting us to help uh, i was commenting on the uh, the support of the community at that point um you know, we've been trying to remind one that uh, we are stronger together. I guess this goes to show it doesn't matter which Montgomery County you live in. We are all able to unite as one and assist each other in a time of need. So um, Rita was uh, excited to, to get the call back and included uh, her son, included a nice personal note and uh, sent us a, an email saying, please tell the workers, even though they are thousands of miles away, we hear them and we are proud to know how much they care for others, that they're willing to risk their own lives. There
1: is an enduring political adage that says never let a crisis go to waste. As we enter what we hope to be the final stage of this pandemic, it's incumbent upon all of us who lived through this time to take stock of the lessons we've learned and hard-won progress we've made. So when the next crisis comes, we're ready. On behalf of NISAC and the New York State County Executives Association, thank you for listening to this special episode of County Conversations and sharing the memories and lessons learned from the early days of the pandemic. Thanks for listening, and be safe.